welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Violence against women and gender activism became central issues in Indonesia in the lead up to the 2019 election. The growing importance of these events and gender issues in Indonesia is a sign of how successful they are becoming in the digital media environment, which is a topic of research of my guest, Dr. Monica Winanita, an anthropologist in Asian studies at La Trobe University. Thank you for joining me, Monica. Thank you very much. So can we start by looking at women's rights in Indonesia? How were they expressed during the election campaign this year? How did the issues come through in the society otherwise? What is really interesting is that we thought there would be more controversy about women's rights during Mm. the election than there actually was. I'm not sure if you can call it surprising, but there was definitely an anti-feminist movement happening Mm. coming from more conservative religious parties during the election. They made a lot more noise while the... Feminist movement, if you can call it the feminist, the Indonesian feminist movement, and they're organised through one of the digital means is through a Facebook called Jakarta Feminist Discussion Group. Mm. So this Jakarta Feminist Discussion Group, they had organised the international women's marches for several years now with alliances from different kind of gender movements, a rainbow alliance, which is very pro-LGBTIQ, and women's workers' rights, so the union for women who work in factories, for example. But they had wanted not to have women's rights as a topic of controversy during the election for different political parties' agenda. Mm. So... The Jakarta Feminist Discussion Group actually didn't run their usual annual women's marches until after the election. They actually did that deliberately because they didn't want... They didn't want it politicised? Yeah, it politicised, which is really interesting Mm. because you think that this is exactly the time where you should, for example, during the election is when you should bring up topics of importance for women's rights because then you can have debates about it or that it can be brought to the public's attention and then you can get support from either candidates. But they didn't do that. They actually didn't want it to be part of the election. So what happened was actually the anti-feminist movement gained a lot more voice Mm. during that election. And they framed it very much within kind of a nationalist religious discourse the feminist movement as a Western movement. So they really used the anti-feminist movement. They used social media as well. So they're very successful. And they gain a huge number of following through Instagram. So Instagram is the big thing. They have that voice. They use some of the slogans that they feel Western feminists use, use it for their purpose. So for example, my body is my own. So from the Western feminist perspective, you know, you have rights over your body, over your reproduction, you know. The anti-feminist movement used that very same slogan and said, my body is not my own. They use, you know, religious terms, so it doesn't 
belong to them, but it's more uh, something sacred, mm. something religious. Mm. Yeah. So it's just really interesting how successful they were in having a larger voice during the election. Definitely with a lot of hashtag like Indonesia tanpa feminist or Indonesia without feminists. You mm. know, it's anti-Indonesian. So that's that nationalist religious kind of discourse that they're using, which play upon some of the politics of the election. You know, it's all about national identity and religious identity as well. Mm. So they had a loud noise, noise the anti-feminism movement yes. during the election. But was it effective? Did any of these issues become election issues that had any real traction? Not to the extent that, that an observer would see it as having traction as such. Although what happened after the election is that a f- follow-up of the rights movement is that there's all these different kinds of new legislation against, for example, there was the bill that the government put forward. If you are not married, it will be against the law to have intimate relations. Mm. So that's something that came after the election. I suppose that's become a bit more religious conservative. That would impact, for example, on the LGBTIQ community because they cannot marry under Indonesia's law. Marriage law is under religious law, so you have to get married either in a mosque or in a church by a religious figure. Yeah, yeah. Possibly the noise of the anti-feminist movement and that whole kind of religious nationalist discourse did have an impact post-election. There's less tolerance or space for open discussion about gender rights Right. Post-election. And people are very worried about the different kind of laws, even in terms of social media, the um, laws against fake news or defamation that has been used against activists. Is there a big misinformation problem amongst online activism? Not a misinformation problem. I think it's just used to target certain kind of messages. Right. So it's more so this is somebody that they want to target. Yes. And they're looking for a convenient excuse. Yeah. I suppose in terms of gender rights, there was a school teacher. Mm. She recorded how her principal was being abusive to her. She said it was a friend of hers who then spread it online. She was charged with this law. And he got a promotion while she is facing jail time. And it was only because of a lot of lobbying by activists and, again, international news, of course, that the president ended up pardoning her. So it sounds like there's a lot of activity going online without people having a real grasp of the weight of what they're doing sometimes. Yeah, and there's fear, actually. So, for example, the research that we did is amongst Indonesian women activists, journalists, writers, as well as those who are here in Australia. And they are actually quite worried if they said anything too controversial. So we've had research participants who actually have several different kind of accounts. So they could have their activist aliases and then a different one 
for their family and friends, and yeah, yeah. So different ways of trying to engage as an Indonesian digital citizen, and yeah. So there's that worry, even though they might be in Australia, this might impact upon them if they go to Indonesia. And I guess the online activism yes. is a good way to engage because there's eight million Indonesians living overseas at the moment, something yeah. like that sort of number. Yeah, diaspora. Mm. Are people living in Indonesia, and I suppose this might go for the anti-feminists more, uh, concerned about Western ideals leaking into this community? Absolutely. So that's where the simple message from them is. To worry about gender worry rights. About, and, yeah, gender yeah. rights and, you know, this is not Indonesia's religious or national value, but gender in Indonesia, there's various expression of gender. Actually, Indonesia, in terms of being an anthropologist, really have a very kind of unique gender structure, if you can say. And because there's so many different ethnic groups, mm-hmm. for example, you have the largest matrilineal Muslim ethnic group in Indonesia, the Minang where names, inheritance and land rights pass down from grandmothers to mothers to daughters. Mm. You know, so that's the largest in the world, the matrilineal system in Indonesia, also very Muslim. And a long history of Indonesian women as leaders has taken up arms in Aceh and things like that. So you have very unique and diverse gender structures and expression they aren't just western ideas you can't yes. you can't push that one argument yes yes yeah. so what the religious conservative and are espousing really are very kind of purist almost orthodox or mm. kind of ideas of religion that isn't reflective of the different kind of localized interpretation and of religion and also how Sometimes tradition would go side by side. Mm. There's such diversity in Indonesia that is simplified through messages around election about nationalism or national identity. So a lot of the different kind of cultural and gender diversity mm. gets lost. So the internet and social media can bring out the worst in mm. completely normal people. Uh, when it comes to arguing or pushing different viewpoints, mm. trolling, and you get uh, instances, yeah. terms coming out like doxing. So how does that play out amongst gender activism in Indonesia? I must imagine that it can get quite heated and it can get rather counterproductive. Yeah, very much. Again, that simplification of message and the fact that you can have a barrier. So you can have an alias, for example, and yes. then you have that online persona where it might not reflect your day-to-day face-to-face communication where you might be more sensitive to the different cultural nuances. You would be more polite <laughs> perhaps in day-to-day kind of conversation where all of that goes out the door. The screen is almost like a barrier, I suppose, for that. I suppose this this is not just Indonesia in general. You know, there's that kind of societal pressure to be part of a particular group and conform to their values. For example, in a women's group, there's a, you know, a monthly gathering, kind of like a potluck thing. And then, and we call it Arisan. And that really shapes the kind of norms and values of for, for those women in the neighborhood, for example. Mm. 
this then gets reflected on the online group. But because you have that extra layer, this kind of online world takes on its own personas and also force their kind of views mm. that you would not otherwise do. How active is the gender activism conversation online for Indonesia now that we're well and truly outside the election cycle? So it, was it just an election issue mm. or is the community quite vocal and outgoing outside of that? I think they are quite vocal and outgoing. And what is surprising is actually the new reinvigoration of gender rights movement that goes hand in hand as well with youth activism. Mm-hmm. And for example, the last student demonstration was the largest since 1998. And it covers in terms of the students' demands. They want the sexual violence bill to be rectified. They wanted human rights abuses to end in Papua. Mm. It's actually really interesting that although the government's becoming more and more conservative, if you can say, and less tolerant of minority and gender rights, you have a reinvigoration of youth activism, gender activism, minority mm. activism. But also, I suppose, in the election, what I forgot to mention is that there was a, a minority party led by Grace Natalie, who was the triple minority, young, female. The parties for those under 40. <laughs> okay, yeah. And this party, although it's Jakarta-based and they've only had a seat in Jakarta, it was interesting about the diaspora that she gained the majority of the votes in the diaspora. And the majority of the Indonesian diaspora are international students again, so young people mm. and minorities, so Chinese Indonesians or people who are overseas and also like you were talking about before with this sort of Western ideals, being exposed to different kinds of worldviews and cultures and values, not just being in Indonesia and being in a certain community and having nationalist or religious values. She probably wouldn't have gotten the traction, the attention, yeah. the votes that yeah. she did if it wasn't for being able to use the online activism communities, Absolutely. I suppose. Yeah, and the diaspora being mm. engaged in the online. For example, the previous presidential election in 2014, Jokowi had the diaspora's vote, had the diaspora's volunteering activism to help his campaign. Yeah. That was the big thing about him, was that these are volunteers. They really believed in him in 2014, that he's going to change everything. He's not the feared ex-general or special forces. Yes. <laughs> the man of the people he got there in 2014. In 2019, it was more the minority parties, both from very kind of religious conservative, or you have people like Grace Natalie, who was the triple minority. Mm. And she actually gained the most vote, for example, in Canada, 60% of the vote went to her. So the largest number of vote, as well as in Melbourne, as well as in Sydney. That's an amazing outcome for, for such a, a small candidate. That just yeah. started. Yeah. 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 So they just started in the 2019 election. Polarization. And that's what the social media does. What's the contribution of journalists to this landscape? Because I believe that was your road in to mm. this kind of thinking and research. What role did they play and did you find it had an impact on how they were working and 
living and contributing to the arena? Yeah, absolutely. So what was happening in Indonesia and journalism as it was happening everywhere else is the digital revolution made traditional media sources, newspapers particularly hardest hit. So they have large number of journalists, of course, no longer have a job in traditional media. And the road in is that particularly women, female journalists, are the ones most affected. They're the ones that were let go <laughs> first. Okay, yeah. Because they are seen not as the breadwinners. So what they did instead, they set up their own online media and specifically on gender issues, gender and minority issues. So they have these startup medias. They might have to do several jobs as well as a startup yeah, yeah. media. But then they become a very niche online media. And they were able to say what they wanted to say that they couldn't as part of traditional media. This actually provides them with an avenue to really make an impact on issues such as gender rights or minority rights. And because they're such a niche media, they gain traction amongst a lot of gender rights group, not just in Indonesia, but internationally. So they really pushed the agenda in terms of gender rights because they were then, as an independent media, are able to have a part in organizing gender rights kind of movement activities, marches, demonstrations. Mm. What is different is that with this fake news landscape, people who used to value traditional media as, okay, that's that's a correct source, they've done their research, you know, that's a national newspaper, for example. Then it's easy for them to label independent media as just pushing certain agenda and that their news are not of value mm. because, you know, how do you know that's not just fake news being pushed by one political party? Yeah. That's just them regurgitating Western feminist discourse into the Indonesian online media for yeah, women. Yeah. So, you know. I, f- I find it interesting yeah. that even though the setting, Indonesia, women's rights, is very different, they're dealing with all the same problems that Western media is dealing with, they're dealing mm. with what other activist groups are dealing with, all the same problems are there, all the same methods of communication mm. are there in one place. Yes. It's just a very different message that they're trying to engage with. And in particular, there's always this idea that's Western values, that's not Indonesian national value. That's become a very simplistic kind of polarization that simple messages coming out instead of the digital media actually supposed to give you that diversity of voices. It's given you two voices. Yeah, instead, like, it's very interesting how the ideal doesn't actually reflect what ended up happening in reality. Mm. Well, thank you for your time today. Okay, thank you, Matt. You've been listening to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe, Asia. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you may cast your pod. You can follow Monica Winanita on Twitter. She is at Monica Winanita. You can follow Latrobe Asia. We are at Latrobe Asia. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening.